We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, back in California, back in my my home studio, uh, fresh off a trip to uh, Utah. So first of all, hopefully everybody who was traveling for Christmas was able to uh, get home safe and sound. Uh, pretty scary walking into the airport today, seeing hundreds of bags kind of curtained off from Southwest employees. So uh, if you were traveling, hopefully you uh, got home safely this weekend. So that being said, uh, we are here today to talk about the Chargers and Rams game this weekend. Obviously, Chargers already coming off of a uh, playoff clinching win against the Colts, but still lots to play for here against the Rams. And joining me to do that are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing this at, this evening? Doing very well myself. I was a little bit worried because after the game on Monday, we got that that message that a certain big bear was returning. But then, you know, Brandon Steele yesterday was like, oh, you know, no update. So I just got got a little nervous there because I put that in the Discord and was all ready to go. But um, nope, Joey Bosa is officially, unofficially back. Yes, unofficially, officially back, which we'll get into here in a second. Of course, uh, Brandon Steadley playing uh, coy all weekend, all week long about Joey Bosa. So uh, happy to uh, have that good news to talk about for the home stretch. Uh, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, what's up? How are you doing? How's Florida? Yeah, Florida's good. Um, Joey Bosa trains in Florida, so happy to have him <laughs> back. And, uh, you know, pass rushing against Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield. Um, imagine saying that sentence before the right. season, but um, <laughs> that is how 
topsy-turvy things have gone. So I think a lot of people were looking for a Stafford-Herbert Super Bowl versus, you know, <laughs> run, you know, coming up team, you know, fight for L.A. showdown. And it's going to be the Baker Mayfield versus Joe Lombardi trying to get his head out of his ass show for an hour. And I hope it's good. Yeah, I hope it is good. I mean, obviously, before the season, this was one of the games that, uh, you know, we had all circled. Obviously, you know, prime time over Christmas break. Uh, you know, this is going to be a rare opportunity for me personally to to get to see SoFi at night. And then, uh, of course, you know, the Rams had to, you know, kind of shit the bed <laughs> this season. And now it's uh, happening at 1 p.m. So uh, I will be there along with Tyler and Arjun. We'll be kind of in, the, in a similar section there. So uh, if you're at the game, come say hi. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, it's Arjun's birthday this weekend. So shout out to Arjun. Um, all right. As uh, as we mentioned, Joey Bosa officially designated to return. So I know there was a there the way that the NFL does this is a little confusing. So he is officially designated to return, but he technically is still on injured reserve until the Chargers mm-hmm. actually activate him off of injured reserve. So we do expect that to happen uh, later on this week. The Chargers usually do that on Saturday. Uh, at that point, the Chargers will have to cut somebody from the active roster. Uh, in order for Joey Bosa to uh, return to his active spot. So some technicalities there. We do expect Joey Bosa to play this week. Um, Joey Bosa himself said that he also expects to play at least, you know, a handful of snaps and get kind of back in the swing of things. So um, there's a lot to take in in terms of what Joey was talking about. Um, But Alex, we'll start with you first and foremost. Um, the thought process of Joey coming back now that we know it actually is happening. How important do you think this is for the Chargers and the Chargers defense specifically? I mean, it's really important. Um, perhaps not as important as it was a month ago, where it just you know no one outside of Khalil Mack you know was really doing anything pass rush oriented on the defensive line. But now you had the reemergence of Kyle Van Noy. You've had Chris Rumpf get in on the action, which has been really good. Um, and Joey Bosa, you're adding him back into the fray, of course, as well. So having all of your, you know, it, I guess, edge players peaking at the right time. Uh, you've talked about the defensive line, which has been playing really well uh, the past few weeks as a whole. You know, racked up a ton of pressures on and sacks on Nick Foles in the, in the Colts game. So they're going in the right direction. You add him back as far as, you know, playoffs are concerned. Obviously, having Joey Bosa gives you a much better chance to win. Um, it was just interesting, you know, hearing him talk today, because I, I think for a while we were just like, well, it's a groin surgery, you know, um, what, you know, what's kind of the holdup here, right? You know, you sort of expected him back a couple of weeks ago, and then you sort of get into the groin and the core injury and the, and the full extent of what Joey Bosa's injuries had built up to, uh, you know, over time to the point where he needed this sort of large scale, you know, surgery so he could sort of be himself again on the field. So, you know, excited to see that. Uh, of course, him back in the lineup. And I, I'm curious to see how the Chargers play this out in the last two weeks because he is coming back at a time where the Chargers have clinched a playoff spot, right? It would be a little bit different if they had lost at Miami or if they had lost at Indianapolis and they you know, needed this game to clinch a playoff spot. But that's not the environment that Joey Bosa is coming back into. So, you know, interesting to see if his snap count will be 5, 10, 15 snaps, you know, to see how that works in his return to limited action, you know, assuming the Chargers win and, you know, are still in a fight potentially for that fifth seed. Do they increase his usage next week? Depending on the result, do they kind of decrease it a little bit, you know, depending on how his body responds to everything in general in his first game back. So very excited to have Joey Bosa back, but 
more curious to see how it works out in these last two weeks going into the playoffs. Yeah, technically, it's the you can still only win or lose one game, and a game you know ten weeks ago is worth basically just as much. But when Keenan Allen came back, once he hit that snap threshold, they were like, okay, go sit on the sideline, and he wasn't there the entire second half. So, yeah, um, like you said, though, we'll see what they do with him. Another star player, of course. Um, when I was told that he was coming back on Monday, um, the the kind of <clears throat> guess for snap cast, excuse me was to go 10 to 15 ish snaps this weekend and then be limited again the following week at about 20 to 25 snaps again they could change that if for some reason things happen and they run up on the rams which i doubt but you know um if they get off to a hot baker mayfield rams start against the broncos in week 18 then maybe they could you know sit him more than they expected um i do expect with the way they've been handling everything or at least especially the last like two thirds of the season because they've been you know hit pretty hard when they bring guys back too early. I think they'll lean more cautious here, especially with Joey Bosa. There's really just there really is no reason to get him out there and play more snaps. Like he just needs to be out there, game shape, whatever, get some reps in. But otherwise, like you don't actually need him to win these two games. I God, I hope not. So I think they'll just play it cautious and we'll see him, you know, full once the the, the playoffs hit, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Joey, right, like it, it, it was really, I don't know what the right phrasing is here, but it was just kind of concerning a little bit to hear about the way that he's felt, you know, physically yeah. the last couple of seasons and just how he has been in, you know, serious pain essentially every single day that he's gone to to practices and things like that. And this is this core muscle groin issue has Mm-hmm. essentially you know kind of bothered him for the last two years so um you know the way that he's kind of describing it is it, this surgery was kind of something that had to happen all along mm-hmm. um and then obviously the the actual groin injury kind of just uh accentuated that and made it more pressing than than probably it, it should have been so um you know I, i'm glad to hear that he's feeling as best as he's ever felt according to him you know he was talking about working with his trainer, uh, his, you know, personal trainer now that he's able to like really push things and go full speed. So, um, you know, it, it's good to see or good to hear rather that he is feeling it as good as he has in, in mm-hmm. quite some time. But at the same time, it's like, dang, dude, like he, like I, I watched every single snap. I watched every single Joey Bosa snap from last season over the summer. <laughs> and yeah. if you had told me that he was going through that kind of pain, I would have said you were crazy, right? Like his tape was so, so good last year. Mm-hmm. His production was still at an elite level. So um, it's just kind of a reminder that you never really know what these players are That's going exactly through. exactly the same thought that I had. And, you know, you know, Joey fighting through these injuries. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there's all this talk on social media about like, questioning his toughness and questioning his commitment to the team and you know now we hear that he's played through this kind of core muscle mm-hmm. injury for the basically the past two seasons on top of the other things and you know concussions and a tricep injury and things like that so um it was just uh obviously good to have joey back but you know a, a harsh reality of kind of the the seasons and health wise that he's kind of been playing through over the past couple of years yeah the whole I get that player fans are like, they really want Joey Bosa or any of these guys to come back. But the whole, once we start diving into, well, they're not committed, they're not tough or whatever. Like you gotta be kidding me. I think last year against the, um, the chiefs, he was hurt. And like the first quarter he got hurt. I think he might've been hurt going into it, but then he got hurt 
limped off the field. I thought Joey Bosa was out. Then he comes back in and has a 10 pressure, you know, one sack, yeah. three or four run stop game. It's like the best game he had all year. So I don't want to hear that Joey Bosa, oh, he's not tough enough or whatever. I know that's not most of the people in our chat or even most of the fans, but the, the those that do, that kind of go that direction, well, he's back. And I think it's been worth the wait. Or I think it will be. Yeah, so in terms of on the field, like I think that obviously the, this benefits the Chargers greatly because they're able to really mix and match. And it, it took a long time for these secondary pass rushers to to get going. I mean, we've seen three very productive weeks for Kyle Van Noy. I mean, there was kind of a lull there for Khalil Mack as well, you know, in, in kind of like those weeks like six through nine-ish. Um, you know, Chris Rumpf is starting to come on as well. So um, Joey being back, I think, obviously opens up a lot more options. And, you know, the fact that those guys are starting to figure it out a little bit allows them to be flexible with Joey as they continue to to ramp him up. So if the plan right now is obviously, you know, around 15 snaps this week, maybe we get around 25, uh, you know, the week 18 game at Denver, and then the playoffs, you're probably talking about closer to 50. So um, we'll see what happens there specifically. But, you know, the, because of the, the way that the other players have played, they do have a little bit of flexibility here with Joey and, and how they're able to kind of ramp him up. Yeah, 100%. Um, so a couple people were talking about this in the chat. Who do you think is the cut candidate then? My first obvious guess would be Tuska, but if as we've seen, if Ryan Ficken wants him on special teams, yeah, he'll be there on special teams. So who do you think the cut would be? I mean, I would think it'd be more of the crowd of the guys who have been kind of healthy scratches. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I mean Chris Rumpf was playing a lot of the special teams role that Tuska is playing mm. now when That's Joey true. was healthy. Yeah. So my thought process is that you cut Tuska and Chris Rumpf and kind of go back to his uh, special teams role a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. And they cut um, Atachu as soon as somebody else was available. So maybe it was Rumpf. Um, yeah, they could certainly cut a running back, as Jacob points out. You know, mm. Sony Michelle, yeah, we have we've barely seen him. Uh, Isaiah mm-hmm. Spiller reportedly like not I don't that's a whole other issue just like not ready <laughs> to play um Larry Roundtree is not Larry Roundtree is not on the active roster anymore right like he was how many elevations has Roundtree had this season is it two well they signed him to the active roster and then they cut him so it, it oh, at least sets, two right? but I don't know if they've yeah. been on the same if you're cut and then you I think it resets restart? after you get cut I think it's at least two then. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's more than that, though. I could easily Google search this, but I'm going with two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I know he was signed to the active roster, um, and then they cut him because he was signed when Joshua Kelly was injured, and then they Mm -hmm. cut him when Joshua Kelly came back. And so if it resets, they have two more elevations for Larry Roundtree. So they they could cut one of the running backs. Um, I don't think it would be one of the off-ball linebackers. I mean, Eamon Ogbongamiga and Nick Neiman nah. are just, like, crushing it on special teams right now. And um, I, if you would have told me, or if you tell me that uh, those two had some kind of, like, bet on who gets more special teams tackles, I, be- I would believe you because they, like, the two of them just fly around on special teams. It's actually really fun to watch. Um, so I would think that Derek Tuska is kind of the the natural candidate there, and then Chris Rump kind of goes back to uh, playing more on special teams. Yeah, that's a good call. 
Um, so obviously a little bit of, about our show today where we, I did want to mention kind of the, the scenarios for the chargers and the, and the playoffs, obviously they have clinched their spot. Um, the Ravens will not have Tyler Huntley on Sunday or Tyler Huntley. Hello. Tyler Huntley is going to start because they won't have Lamar Jackson. Excuse me. Um, so obviously they are the Sunday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, essentially the, the scenario for the chargers and the five seed is that them and the Ravens just have to have the same record theoretically. Mm. Um, so the, the Ravens either lose both of their games and the chargers win one, the chargers win both of their games. The Ravens lose one. As long as the Chargers and the Ravens have the same record, the Chargers will get the five seed. Um, if the Chargers lose out, they'll still make the playoffs. But in that scenario where they lose out, they're probably talking about the seven seed. Um, so I've gotten this question a lot here, uh, you know, over the mm -hmm. last few days about resting starters and uh, potentially, yeah. you know, opting for better health as opposed to a better seed. So, Alex, we'll start with you here. Where are you at with resting players for the Chargers over the next two weeks? Um, definitely not this week. I mean, because you're still contending potentially for the fifth seed if you win out and Baltimore loses one of their last two. Now, if we get into a conversation of if you say the Chargers lose to the Rams and then suddenly they're probably in a position where they're, I mean, depending on what happens with Miami this week, they could find themselves locked into the sixth seed. Um, if Miami were to lose, I believe, um, because then I think New England, I don't know, New England might be on eight or nine losses. I'm not sure. Um, I think both of them have eight. But basically, you could kind of construct a situation where the Chargers lose a game um, and the Ravens win, and then they're suddenly eliminated from the five seed discussion. Um, and then it would just be more of an issue of whether they would want to be the sixth or the seventh. But still, because they have a whole game difference with the Jets and the Patriots and Miami's probably also losing this week, then, you know, you probably are locked into the sixth seed at this point. So depends on what they have to play for. As long as there is something to play for and you can get that fifth seed, um, I think that you go for it pretty much. Um, and this is a team where kind of depending on the side of the ball you were to talk about, if you want to, you know, talk about like resting Joey Bosa, for example, uh, and, you know, resting some of the guys that, you know, have, have had injuries or are coming back. That's one thing. But, like, we still need to see more out of this offense. I mean, heading into the playoffs, because in its current state, they're not hanging in a game with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or any of those teams. So you really want to see at least two clean weeks, I think, of offensive football. And I think that involves, you know, as long as there is something to play for in that fifth seed playing Justin Herbert and, and playing your guys um, effectively. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the coaching staff is going to do. They've always been a little bit more cautious. Um, but at this point, I think that they uh, just kind of stay the course and, and play their guys. As far as resting, I think you only do it if there's uh, nothing to play for. Yeah, I, th I think you're at least getting a game and a half out of everybody regardless. Um, as far as resting guys go, just the guys that are hurt, I mean, Derwin James is practicing, obviously concussion. Um, I thought there was a chance that maybe he would sit out the two games just to keep it safe, but nope, he's he's back out there. As far as, you know, something to play for, I guess the games next week haven't been determined in terms of times. So I actually don't know when these teams are playing. So like if the Ravens played before the Bengals or something, or excuse me, sorry, if the Ravens and Bengals played before the Chargers, then you'd kind of know what you're fighting for. But so far, it's, it's to be determined. Mm -hmm. And I could see that game actually being the a primetime game. So if they decide to do that, um, otherwise it could be like 
Giants Eagles or something. But Ravens Bengals could definitely be primetime because that's kind of a, a jockeying for the division there. Mm-hmm. So I think the Chargers are going to have to play and play other guys all the way through. And like Alex said, you have to figure out your offense. Um, now, listen, if for some reason against the Broncos, they're down by 40 points or 30 <laughs> points like they like they were against the Jaguars or the Seahawks. Sure. Yeah, please like rest you guys. Let's be smart here. Um, I don't think you need to go out there and prove anything at that point. Just go into the postseason healthy. Um, but I think we're getting two full games out of this group. I would assume that with the Ravens playing primetime this week, that the Jags Titans game is going to be the Sunday night football game. Right. I mean, are we gonna? They're gonna put Josh Dobbs on on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I mean, it's a division title game. <laughs> I mean, it's either that or the AFC North one. I mean, are they gonna do back to back weeks of the Ravens? I don't know. The Bills are gonna prime bank game this week too. So I don't know. I mean, up to NBC. They've gone back to back with Chargers. So yeah, we we did do that. <laughs> that was fun. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, we I, had to stay up until three a.m. to podcast. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they would go with the Jags Titans as the, I mean, since that's a division championship game, uh, you know, it's the AFC South, but it's still technically a division. Still technically a division, unfortunately <laughs> for us. I mean, how great would it be to be in that division right now? Um, you know, I, I think that Brandon Staley was talking about this the other day when he was asked about it. And I think, you know, their focus is is playing their best football, which I think like Alex mm-hmm. is kind of highlighting, especially on the offensive side of things. Um, so I would expect them to go out and attack these games as if they were still kind of in that that uh, back against the wall fighting for playoff mode. And, you know, we know there's so many guys here on this team that are connected to the Rams that I, they, they're going to want to beat the Rams, even though the Rams mm-hmm. are obviously, you know, not their their former self. So I would expect them to to play it as if they needed to win because they do. I think you you much rather prefer a five four matchup as opposed to a six three matchup so Mm -hmm. i I think for the chargers they have a ton to play for still if they can get to uh you know a uh four seed matchup with the jaguars in a warm weather place a team that also hasn't necessarily been there in the playoffs because i think people are kind of underrating that aspect of things where Mm -hmm. you know you're you're talking about playing at cincinnati who who just went to the super bowl like they've been there done that you know, obviously Kansas City has been to a few Super Bowls. You know, the Bills have made playoff r- runs as well. So I think if you are traveling to Jacksonville, that's it's a much more even playing field than any of the other matchups in terms of experience, in terms of weather. And uh, obviously the, the individual matchup, I think, you know, people will, will obviously point to the, the blowout loss, but that was the first game after Herbert broke his ribs. Obviously, mm-hmm. Joey got injured that day. Rashawn Slater got injured that day. So uh, that just was kind of a, a, a clusterfuck of a game uh, from the get-go. And I, I would not expect anything close to a similar result in a playoff game, uh, you know, 14 weeks later. Yeah, um, I wouldn't expect a similar result either. I mean, the Jags are a really well-coached team. Like, they put it together. Trevor Lawrence has broken out. But I don't know if that's a game that I'm more scared of than playing the Bengals or the Chiefs, um, per se. And plus, look. Plus, you want a higher seed anyway, depending on what happens in the playoffs. Something crazy could happen, and maybe down the road the Chargers are hosting a playoff game, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> don't true. think don't think it's going to happen, but you would want the higher seed in that case where chaos does happen. Um, and look, there's still a 30% chance or whatever the odds are heading into that Week 18 game that the Titans can win the division. Yeah, um, you know, if Derrick Henry goes supernova, and we've seen him do it before, and he has three touchdowns and 500 yards, which... <laughs> like, 
you know, on after a week of rest. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Titans to win it. I, I mean, everyone I think would pick the Jaguars to win it given the current situation. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if if, you, if the Chargers are the fifth seed heading to the fourth seed of Titans, that's still something to play for as opposed to the Chargers being the sixth seed have to go to Cincinnati, right? Or, or having mm-hmm. to go to Buffalo or Kansas City or any of these other places potentially in the first round. Um, so yeah, you definitely want the higher seed, not just because of a potentially weaker AFC South opponent, but just having higher seed in general. Yep. I'm a big Titans fan next week. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So, um, I think the biggest thing, like I mentioned that the chargers have, have done a great job getting all this momentum going for their season. Um, obviously you want to be able to keep that going into the playoffs as, as much as you can. And, uh, be able to get into uh, a situation where Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack can, can heat up anybody else against the league. I, I think, you know, this pass rush showing up the way it is is going to give the Chargers a chance to beat any of these teams. So um, I, I think that's the most important thing is just get back into a rhythm on offense if you can. Uh, easier said than done when you're running stick, you know, every single trip to the red zone. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, so... Make the transition, uh, asking about SoFi and the uh, the injury rate. Um, he thinks lower the seed, the better. I mean, I think a lot of the home field advantage is kind of overrated at this point. But what's not overrated is the higher seeds don't have to travel. Like, I think if the Chargers in 2018 had been able to get home field, we're probably talking about a different postseason outcome as opposed to them traveling to Baltimore, traveling back to L.A., and then traveling to New England. So um home field advantage for me is, is honestly more about just not having to travel uh across the country in these games yeah and i mean as far as sofi having the highest rate of injuries i mean obviously people have talked about like the turf and all that stuff but the rams were one of the healthiest teams in the league last year and the chargers you know had a top 10 healthiest team yeah. in the league so i mean that stuff varies from year to year and there's plenty of other stadiums that have turf as well right and in terms of that whole debate or turf versus grass so i mean i don't i don't know if that's something that's the reason that the chargers should not want to play a home game but you know i also think metlife metlife has to be the highest i I feel like metlife or uh the washington commanders field it has had way more injuries just off of the top of my head i don't know we'll see all right. Uh, as always, we'll uh, dive into the Ram side of uh, this matchup here for a little bit. Um, Tyler has prepared a, a slideshow as usual. Uh, appreciate the, the hands off so we don't uh, <laughs> go back and forth here. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tyler's crushing it with the graphics, as you saw in the thumbnail with the uh, Brandon Staley cat cow pose on, on this uh, this slideshow for our audience. What is audience. he doing, dude? <laughs> Does he not know that he's filmed? I mean, I don't know if he's always filmed, but uh, I mean, he does. He works out before every single game, so um, I don't. I think that was just a, a poor, you know, timing aspect from ESPN. But either way, it provided some uh, hilarious content on Monday night. I just, I want to be, I want to see the ESPN like operator who was just like, yeah, we got to put this in the cut in back from commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, that guy knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing to Twitter. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> As opposed to when he's like running stairs or whatever else he does. He's like, oh yeah, the cat cow, let's go. 
All right. So uh, for our audio audience here, Tyler has a Rams preview with uh, uh, Baker Mayfield's face on top of a chef. Obviously, self-explanatory there. And then at the bottom, he says, uh, F them playoffs instead of F them picks. So uh, fantastic work as always, Tyler. Thanks. I thought of it 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Well done. Uh, Obviously, in terms of the coaching staff, we'll dive in here a little bit. Uh, Sean McVay, obviously the head coach, uh, also calls plays, really is the, the the engine of the Rams offense. Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, somebody who was uh, a hot head coaching candidate name last offseason. Curious to see if that kind of carries over this year. Uh, Rams defense has taken a, a bit of a step back, obviously injuries to uh, you know Aaron Donald and you know some regression from Jalen Ramsey will do that. Um, offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. Uh, soon to be offensive coordinator again at the University of Kentucky. So he's kind of going back and forth. Um, hmm. Actually, I don't even know if he's still with the team or not. Uh, curious. I don't, I don't know. But he's he's leaving soon. And then uh, special teams coordinator Joe Decamales. I don't even know how to say that. Uh, but uh, Tyler, your thoughts on the, the Rams coaching staff this year and the job they've done with uh, all the injuries and things like that. Well, they're five and ten, so I don't think they've done a great job. I mean, it's like <laughs> it is what it is. Like they're a really banged up team that lost some of their best players, um, but right down to the quarterback. So somehow a team got worse than the Chargers. Whatever is at SoFi, whatever's in LA, it's not working for these teams this year. After both teams were, I'm pretty sure, very very healthy last year. Um, I like and respect that McVeigh sees his team on the decline with no picks, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'll retire." Um, I respect that immensely. I'm sure you'll get a nice paycheck for all that. Um, I really do like some of the guys on this coaching staff. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. But the interior defensive line coach, I think it's Henderson for yep. the um, for the Rams. He is there. He's there. Jay Rogers. He's there. The reigning interior defensive line or, or defensive line coach of the year. Respect what he's done with guys like Greg Gaines, who was basically just a, a plug run stuff stuffer coming out of college. And has really turned into a solid all-around player. Like you'd hope someone like a Braden Fajoko could end up becoming. Um, although Greg Gaines is a better pass rusher, obviously. Um, but overall, you know, good group of guys, I guess. I mean, Raheem Morris. They're still 16th in EPA per play, which is pretty impressive. I think they've just... It's a well-coached group. Um, and then Jalen Ramsey... Uh, well, I already told you guys that story, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's one that you can leave uh, between us as opposed to putting it out there for the world to, to hear. Um, you know, I respect the Rams for, you know, going out and getting Baker Mayfield and, and still trying to win games. I mean, uh, they don't have any picks, obviously, for, the, you know, the upcoming first round, but uh, we're seeing a lot of other teams kind of mail it in right now in similar circumstances. So, uh, you know, we the Las Vegas Raiders, obviously, in the Derek Carr situation, and you know they are playing for picks, and um, you know the Tennessee Titans haven't exactly been super competitive with their roster uh, after losing to the Chargers, and you know the way they've kind of you know declared people out and put people on IR. So um, I, I respect the way that they're fighting through all these injuries. I respect them trying to figure out if Baker Mayfield can still play or not. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey are still really doing a lot of good things out there and keeping this defense afloat. Uh, so, you know, I think the Rams are doing some good things, obviously, but, um, you know, just, they started off in, in such a poor spot with all the injuries. And then obviously once they lost Cooper cup, that was, that was essentially the, uh, the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Um, I did just do a Google search. So Liam Cohen is still with the Rams until the, uh, completion of the season, at which point he will then leave to Kentucky. Um, 
Yeah, weird Rams team just as a whole, as we've talked about, like everyone got injured. And so they're in this position, which isn't terribly surprising. Um, You know, I mean, credit to them for not tanking, but they're also not tanking because they don't have the pick. (laughs) If they they had the pick, I'm sure that Bryce Perkins would still be thrown into the fire every week until until they got, uh, you know, a high enough pick. So, you know, uh, credit to them, I guess, for trying to, you know, get Baker Mayfield and make all these kinds of like moves in the intermediate here. Um, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of the main thing we'll talk about when we get to players and, and sort of that stuff, but good for Sean McVay for holding it together, I guess. Um, like Tyler said, I don't know how much longer Sean McVay is going to continue to do this uh, with, you know, the rumors about potential retirement. Uh, but, you know, the Rams obviously have a top tier coaching staff kind of in the league. And it's one of the things that scares you, uh, I guess, in this game, because this is not a talented roster. The Chargers are absolutely the more talented roster. But um, if the Rams can, you know, you know, win the turnover battle and just do sort of some of the things that that coaching staff has enabled them to do, run simple offense, don't make mistakes. It's one of the things that if you're concerned about a trap game here for the Chargers, certainly that coaching staff gives you some pause. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about this uh, roster now for a second here. Um, you know, the the Rams obviously for me, the reason why they ultimately made a playoff run last year was because of how deep of a talent they had this year. Uh, you know, looking at these losses, you're talking about Vaughn Miller, obviously Sebastian Joseph Day, Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, Odo Beckham Jr., uh, Troy Reader, all players who were key contributors to their postseason run. I mean, Sony Michelle, you could put, an, put him on there and in the, on this graphic as well. And then the guys they brought in obviously are not <laughs> playing too hot. You know, Allen Robinson, before he got injured, was just not involved on offense. Troy Hill, not the same player he was in 2019 or, excuse me, 2020 when uh, Brandon Staley mm-hmm. was there. Bobby Wagner has been solid for them. That's been a good addition. But their whole thing was like replacing Vaughn Miller with Bobby Wagner, which really just didn't work out. Um, Baker Mayfield, Ode Abushi, obviously recent additions. Um, Ode Bushi won his appeal, so he is uh, playing this week. He did not get mm-hmm. suspended and ended up just getting fined for uh, his role in that altercation last week with Randy Gregory, which I think is the right decision. But mm-hmm. um, then you're obviously talking about these injuries too. So the Rams roster just has gone through a massive turnover, and obviously not all of it is you know by design. A lot of it is by injury. So this is really kind of the bare bones of their roster that the Chargers will face this week. Yeah, this kind of reminds me a bit of the Titans where they didn't have a not that they did the not that the Rams didn't do anything. You go get Allen Robinson, you get Bobby Wagner. That's definitely doing something more than the Titans did. But I feel like the losses that the Titans had were so significant and the additions that they had were not moving the needle much for them. And with all these injuries, that I just feel like they're kind of stuck. And with a lack of, of draft picks, or the draft picks, or I should say, not doing so hot for them and not really having like a Chiefs-like season where everyone's contributing or the Seahawks where everyone's contributing. You just see those two teams that are typically in the postseason or are fighting to win the division or have have been winning the division, and they just didn't make it this year because, you know, the additions weren't enough, the losses were too much, and the injuries caught up to them, and their draft class wasn't that great. Not that they could do a lot. There weren't a whole lot of high draft picks for the Rams. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you put the draft class in here, which they had more draft picks than usual, but – uh logan brust their first pick in round three i think he got i think he like towards acl or something like that in training camp mm. uh Jacoby durant has been coming on recently kyron williams has spent a lot of time injured as well broke his arm or something like that 
Um, Quentin Lake, Darion Quenjic haven't really played a lot. Daniel Hardy, him, like any of these guys outside of Jacoby Durant, I don't think are really playing significant roles for them. So um, just they didn't really replace what they got or mm-hmm. what they lost last year. And then, you know, they've just been in a, in a, a tough spot for uh, the roster wise. I guess my question here, you know, general NFL speak, do we think that Sean McVay is actually going to retire? Like, I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking that he's going to leave on this kind of note after having uh, kind of a dumpster fire season. I mean, I don't think he'll retire this year, but I think he'll, you know, consider whenever his extension is up. What is it? 2025, 2026. Not sure exactly. Um, but, you know, uh, in terms of retiring and going to the media world, you know, like how... I guess the question is how much longer does McVeigh want to do this if this roster is going to be in decline, right? You'll you'll still have Stafford and Cooper Cup back next year, and this team will certainly just be better on like having those two guys back alone and Aaron Donald. Um, say Jalen Ramsey takes a positive regression back towards being Jalen Ramsey again, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can sort of talk yourselves into the Rams, you know, being a contender certainly in the NFC again, uh, outside of San Francisco, really, their division is not all that strong uh, going forward. We'll see what the Seahawks do kind of with the, you know, Geno situation and them going forward uh, as a team. But this is a Rams team that if you just get the players back, it's easy to talk yourselves into them, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just getting back to being a Super Bowl contender pretty quickly. But as far as, you know, what the long term of Sean McVay is and what the long term of the Rams are, if you don't have a lot of picks and your players get older, you know, Potentially Aaron Donald and, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford eventually retiring when they retire, you know, then that can sort of open the door towards, you know, Sean McVay eventually making an exit from whatever, you know, this era of the Rams has been. And I believe that's what he said to when this core nucleus, it's their time to go. I will also go. But I, I think if you lose someone like Matthew Stafford, that kind of accelerates that because then you, you don't have any first round picks unless you want to go hit on a third rounder or whatever they have uh, next year or the following year you're kind of just stuck in this purgatory but i guess it depends really on matthew stafford i think if stafford continues next year mcveigh comes back if not i mean i personally would just let it be someone else's problem i know that's maybe not how you <laughs> want to go out but you want a super bowl so i mean you can head out yeah that's true you know he could uh follow the the sean payton route so uh as yeah. let it, his lit points out there you go yeah we can trade for him in three years or whatever yeah i i mean i i'm it just feels like there's this sean mcveigh is going to be the new like uh bill cower john gruden every year whereas he becomes like this great media announcer and then it's like oh is he going to come back to coaching and then like eventually some team will offer him some insane contract they can't say no to but (laughs) but i feel like that's where we're headed to with sean mcveigh because i mean he's a great talker i mean and also you know it's just a great analyst of the game too so some team some network is going to pick him up eventually if he does plan to retire at some point and you know we'll sort of be in that situation with him but uh yeah i mean i don't know if he's going to retire but the rams don't have a lot of draft capital they're not developing a lot of players right now um kyron williams is a guy that has played a little bit since he's gotten back from injury right in addition to to kobe duran but yeah um just really depends on where the nucleus of that team goes i guess We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, Tyler, again, great work on the slideshow as usual. Um, we'll dive in uh, now to the charter side of things. That we, as we do every single week, we'll, we'll kick this off just uh, uh, from a general standpoint in terms of our victory formation picks here. And we'll get a little bit more specific as we do every single week. So I'm going to start this one off. I think for me, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about the run game. This is this is not a week where you want to run the football, especially, you know, with the Rams defense playing that the way they are. Um, even without Aaron Donald, they're still one of the best run defenses mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, Tyler talked about Greg Gaines. So uh, for me, the natural pivot here should be the emphasis on play action passing. This is something that Arjun has talked about all season long, and I will continue to highlight this point as well <laughs> because it is the best form of the Chargers offense. I think mm-hmm. you saw glimpses of it, you know, later in the second quarter, later in the fourth quarter. These play action deep crossers to Mike Williams are really successful against the Indianapolis Colts, and it was their best form of offense. So, um, as a whole, last week, uh, Justin Herbert, excuse me, had 36 total dropbacks, and only 10 of them were play action. That is simply not good enough for me. I don't think that's good enough for this offense. I don't think it's good enough to win multiple playoff games. You have to go back to that play action well. And I think watching the film back, there was that play early in the, or probably, yeah, early in the first quarter where they did like that fake, uh, fake toss rollout that they like to do. Mm-hmm. That's kind yeah. of a different look to get Justin Herbert out on the move. Obviously, Quiddy Pay, or not, it wasn't Quiddy Pay, it was uh, their backup pass rusher, sacked Justin Herbert. Herbert obviously almost uh, broke contained there and, and still mm-hmm. made a play, but. He ultimately did get sacked, and it felt like they didn't go back to the the rollout game for like another two and a half quarters. It was so frustrating to watch them just continue to go back to the traditional mm-hmm. dropback concepts that Joe Lombardi is comfortable with. Um, so this is a, a game where the Rams could catch you sleeping if you're not if you're going to come out and do your yeah. usual stuff. It's not going to work against Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey, who are still playing at a really high level. So. For me, the way that you attack this Rams defense is working the edges, working the corners, and working the safeties, obviously outside of Jalen Ramsey. So uh, Joe Lombardi absolutely has to stick with play action, even if it doesn't work early, because it is the best source of offense for the Chargers. It's the way that they're best able to hit explosives. And frankly, it's the only way that they hit explosives is out of the play action game. So uh, sticking with play action for me is going to be the key for Sunday and probably, frankly, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't I don't know why we're on this either or either or kind of approach when it comes to 
rolling Herbert out. I mean, I guess the Dolphins, it was kind of unintentional because he was bailing for his life. But yeah, you just see what is so successful with this team. Think of every highlight Herbert throw that you can think of off the top of your head. He's probably on the move doing that. And he's doing it 50 yards that way. He's doing it 60 yards that way. 65 yards down the middle of Jalen Guyton. Not that they have to be those chunk plays. They can also be, like you said, those, those shallow crossers or whatever it is. Get these guys involved. Get them involved on the move. I just don't see how you go into the postseason against the Bills defense and say, okay, we're going to stick with the traditional drop back offense and, and, and see that work in, in the snow or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know what Lombardi's been thinking. I understand that you can't do that every single time. Um, for some reason, on like second and 12, they run a lot of play action, which I think is hilarious because I don't really see the Chargers <laughs> running it much on second and 12, but whatever. No. Um, but they got to get away from it. The numbers, the numbers, the film, the feel, the flow, everything suggests that what you're saying, Stephen, is 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 correct. They should go to that. They have not been doing that consistently, and it's hurting them. Yeah, um, I think you just kind of look at what this Chargers offense have been, and it's just not good enough. Like at this rate, um, and you would like to just see the Chargers run their offense with Joe Lombardi like they have nothing to lose. I mean, because in a way they don't, right? I mean, yeah, technically you can lose playoff seating and like those kinds of things, but um, there's no risk factor here, right? Um, so outside of potentially injuries and, and playing that, that's just kind of the state of the game. Um, I, I would love to see more play action. I don't know if Lombardi's going to open up the playbook, but I wonder if part of the approach against the Colts was just, hey, look, let's wrap this thing up and play a very like conservative game because we're not going to have to go all out against the Colts and and maybe against the Rams um, in the current state they're in. They can just kind of unleash, you know, a couple more plays. Maybe we see a couple more Joshua Kelly style, you know, trick plays to Justin Herbert. I, I'd love to see something along those lines just to get something started um, in the right direction here and get some positive drive momentum. And I think the biggest thing as far as Lombardi that is correctable this year is the red zone efficiency because, you know, like this running stick in the end zone stuff, not having the right personnel out there, not using Mike Williams, not using Donald Parham. That is stuff that with the offense that is just so easily fixable compared to what, what is being done now uh, that you can just expect and gain you know uh, a more comfortable ability going into buffalo going into kansas city going into any of these potential playoff games um so we just like to see that from the charger standpoint yeah i was just looking at uh the dropback percentages in terms of play action concepts and uh you know justin herbert is at 28.6 percent on the year which is uh 13th among quarterbacks with 20 percent of the dropbacks but since Keenan Allen and Mike Williams got back on the field, it's actually significantly lower. He's at 24% uh, over the last month of the season, essentially in the last five games since the, everybody's kind of started to come back healthy. And that, that that's just a trend that doesn't make any sense to me. You're, let, you're running less play action with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back. That's just not, it's not smart coaching in my opinion. So this is a, this is a game. This is a stretch where the, Joe Lombardi and the Chargers have to continue to lean into what works which is the play action game as opposed to the traditional drop back game. So I'm not asking for him to turn into, you know, Marcus Mariota leads the league right now in 44% of play action attempts. Like that's <sighs> insane. I'm not asking for that. I would like to see, you know, like 32%, 33%, like just, mm -hmm. you know, a couple more play action concepts a game, I think would really help this uh, offense kind of open things up a little bit more. So 
Um, that was mine. Uh, Alex, let's go with your uh, victory formation pick next. Yeah, um, the thing that I'm looking at, I'll talk, you know, Stephen mentioned, don't run the ball. I will talk about potentially running the ball on the uh, other side, I guess, of the field here. And that's with Cam Akers. Uh, Cam Akers has had an up and down, inconsistent season. But he had 118 yards last game and three touchdowns, uh, average 5.4 yards per carry. Chargers, of mm-hmm. course, I believe against the Colts gave up 5.1 uh, yards per carry in that game. And that was the one criticism of the defense. Of course, these were not like big chunk runs or anything, but it was just that, you know, Zach Moss did get a little bit of momentum going into those runs. You would like to see the run defense tighten it up, uh, especially as you head down the playoff stretch here. So we just like to see the run defense get a little bit better. And look, this is what the Rams are going to do because Baker Mayfield's been here and he knows like five plays in the playbook. (laughs) They're going to run 12 personnel. They're going to have two tight ends on the field. And they're going to run the ball with Cam Akers or throw screens to Cam Akers or throw screens to their tight ends, right? So this Mm -hmm. is not a complex offense to diagnose. It's really just going to be, can the Rams offensive line in there kind of do, you know, what the streak has been for the Chargers recently is just giving up some of these big run plays. It's been better in the last month or so compared to what it was previously in the season. But just as the Chargers round in the playoff form, you know, in the cold weather games, like, you just can't have these big chunks started. Um, you know, we've seen it uh, in some of the, you know, divisional games. We've obviously seen Pacheco, who the Chargers could, you know, play again in the playoffs. We've seen, you know, just not that there's any, like, elite running games in the AFC outside of probably Baltimore. But Joe Mixon is somebody that can obviously give you problems in a playoff game uh, as well. So just would like to see the Chargers tighten up in the run game, figure out sort of what their personnel is. Obviously, Edge will help in the run defense, too, just naturally having him there. But just want to see the Chargers tighten things up, potentially heading into this you know, AFC playoff run. I could be wrong. I feel like I haven't seen a team really challenge the Chargers with those two tight ends or even three tight ends like the Seahawks would run. And they're certainly going to face that. Off the top of my head, it didn't – maybe not as mm-hmm. intensely as someone like the Seahawks certainly have or even like the 49ers. So – Really curious to see if the Rams go out and do that at run 12 personnel, like you said. Um, because Cam Akers against the Broncos last week, just watching that game back, he was doing a number on, on the Broncos. And it was through the middle, on screens, you know, whatever. Like he was getting wide open rushing lanes. I mean, I don't think it looked very difficult for him because yeah. he was past the line of scrimmage and a yard already, you know, past the line of scrimmage before he was touched. And then in the open field, he was able to break tackles. So, the Chargers definitely need to, to do a better job there. It's Again, it's not really an interior defensive line issue overall. It's more of an edge issue. So I'm really curious. You know, I, I really want to see in the best and worst ways for good and bad. I want to see the Chargers tested with what they've been weak against, which is some team goes out there, has a really, really good run scheme, two tight ends, three tight ends, a fullback, whatever, and takes it to the Chargers. And I don't really think the Titans were quite able to do that as much as they wanted to. Um, so maybe that was the last team that tried it, but I'm curious if the Rams go out and do that because Baker Mayfield's game plan was very, very simple, but they kept it so simple for him. It kind of made me jealous because it was like, okay, a great run game, easy screens, play action to the wide open guy. You know, McVay's doing a great job getting it so simple for them. So if the Chargers want to win this game, they got to win those early downs and stop the run. 
Yeah, screens that uh, actually worked as opposed to what the Chargers have been doing all season long. Uh, so quick uh, update here from, uh, appreciate it from a Silute, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that's how you say that. Um, they said that the fake pitch naked boot sack was uh, 13.30 left in the second quarter. So uh, appreciate the uh, correction there. Um, in terms of the Rams offense last week, uh, I don't think people realize this. You know, obviously dot has been a big thing for Justin Herbert. Uh, Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield's a dot last week was 4.1 yards. So uh, <laughs> literally was like everything was behind the line of scrimmage or uh, short yarded. So, um, you know, the, the Rams have, have made it pretty easily uh, for Baker. And, uh, you know, to Alex's point here over the last five weeks, uh, the Rams have the seventh best rush success rate in the league. Uh, so they're really starting to figure it out with camp makers on the ground and have really been able to, uh, you know, finally have some cohesion along the offensive line, which I think has, has really helped too. So this isn't an elite volume run running attack by any means, but they're pretty efficient and effective when they get after it too. Mm-hmm. All right, Tyler, uh, mm-hmm. what's your uh, victory formation segment here? Well, two of those were ones I was going to talk about. So I'll talk about a third slightly related one to what you talked about, Stephen. That's just getting Mike Williams and Donald Parham both involved at a consistent rate, not just because they happen to be open, but I mean, intentionally, I feel like when the Chargers were doing their most basic things last year, it was play action slide to Mike Williams or play action deep crosser to well Mike Williams again or something to Donald Parham or, or leak or whatever it was. Um, I don't know where that's been. And it, it, it's so strange to see them get their players back, their biggest weapons back, a literal basketball team like Arjun said. And they're just like, nah, it's not really how we're going to you know use those guys. I understand that you know last week, I'm sure Gilmore was on Mike Williams the most. I'm sure Ramsey will be on Mike Williams the most this week, but you can find ways to get him open, to free him up, to isolate him, uh, or just Donald Parham. These guys in the red zone, between the 20s, whatever, these guys are weapons, and it shouldn't just be that they were a read and a progression. They should be intentionally involved. I mean, Donald Parham got that one pass, and unfortunately it didn't count, but he made, again, as he always does, the one guy missed. He got another whatever, and he got 38 yards out of it. It just came back because of, I think, a Pipkins holding call. Yeah. And then Mike Williams, there was that screen that he had that got the ball in his hands intentionally. I think he broke like one or two tackles, got a big first down with great blocking. They need to see more of that. It's not sexy. It's not even difficult. It's very simple. But I think if you have these playmakers, you got to get them more intentionally involved. I'm waiting for them to do what they did, not necessarily against the Chiefs, because I feel like that was just a, they had to throw it at Mike Williams because there was no other option at the time. But against the Texans, you see these shallow crosses. You see, I mean, when was the last time we saw Keenan, or maybe Keenan, but maybe Mike Williams catch a slant route. I know he can do it, maybe not consistently, yeah. but he can. When have you seen a replay of him even trying one? I don't know. I don't know where the scheming up for Mike Williams has gone, but they do have to remind themselves that they're paying him not just to make the spectacular throws because Herbert throws it every once in a while, but you're paying him $20 million to do, you know, to be your ex receiver. So treat him like one. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The usage for Mike Williams has been. Uh, a little puzzling, you know, since he came back from the injury, obviously, you know, the, the re-aggravation was a little frustrating, but, um, you know, I, I feel like we saw glimpses of what works this past week against the Colts. And then, uh, you know, it was, it just kept on going back to like, okay, well, the Colts are trying to take him away. It's like, okay, but your job is to get him involved. Like that's your job as the offense. So I agree with that. I, I agree with Donald Parham's usage as well. I mean, it, it's been, a little puzzling there too to see him not come back into his you know previous 
tight end two role and still kind of uh, be a, a swing uh, or a wingman, if you will, to Trey McKitty, which is just from a playing standpoint, at least. Um, so I, I would love to see those two players, you know, get involved again. Those two are kind of the ones that get the play action uh, shots and get the play action opportunities. So, um, you know, give them some easy buttons. Like, I think for me, that's the biggest thing from Joe Lombardi over the last few weeks is that th- there's so few easy buttons for Justin Herbert right now. Everything is so hard for them to move down the field and you just can't, you can't win like that in the playoffs. So, you know, I'm, I'm not asking him to, you know, put the training wheels on Justin Herbert by any means, but uh, you know, just give him some easy opportunities to move the ball. And I think you do that play action. You do that with feeding Mike Williams and Donald Parham, like you mentioned. Uh, so kind of working together there. Yeah. Watching, watching the interception against the Colts come off of stick was like, how many times has that happened so far this year? I mean, not that you can never run the play, but gosh, how many times are we going to watch some guy turn around and bounce off their hands or bounce off defender? Well, interception, not on Herbert once again. So just tough. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about running stick, and that's obviously kind of become a, a meme of itself on you know Twitter and things like that. But it's just like you know, there's a higher chance of turnovers if you run stick because like everything is cramped, everything is smaller together. There is a chance that a defender is like gonna get his hands on the ball because, or if you know, it falls off of Keenan Allen's hands the wrong way, there's going to be a to catch it, right? Um, so you kind of just want to have easy safety valves um, all across your offense, like we talked about Justin Herbert. Um, and also, you know, decrease the chances that you do turn the ball over. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, dive in a little bit more here and talk about some key matchups. Uh, Tyler, you went last, so I'll let you go first this time. Uh, what's your uh, key matchup of Sunday afternoon? Uh, Kenneth Murray versus Cam Akers and Tyler Higby. If you watched the Rams play the Broncos, it was literally those two players. And considering that Baker's Mayfield's a dot, and of course the run game is all up to Kenneth Murray too. Well, not all to Kenneth Murray, but it certainly involves him quite a bit. And I think he's been playing pretty well, like not great, but for what I've expected of him, I think he's playing a lot better. Um, heck of a game against the Colts from the first like two thirds or so that I saw um, some flashes the previous few weeks, but not great. But on the year, he's only had 32 run stops. Um, but over the last, I think, five games with Braden Fajoko, that he's gotten half of his run stops. So 10, you know, 11 games or whatever it was before first 16 just the last five is the most recent 16 um over the last three weeks he's been eighth in run stop rate and 20th in average depth of tackle out of 85 and again that's it's big part because of Braden Fajoko because of Morgan Fox because of Sebastian Joseph Day um against the Colts he had two pressures a sack four run stops and kind of a a pass breakup but it was a gimme pass breakup (laughs) um but the last two seasons combined combined he's had three pass breakups and over the last five games he's had four um, again, some of them gimmies, but still, I'll take it. Like you're around the football, you're tr- you're diagnosing. Um, and even if you know, last week, yes, it was a gimme pass breakup, but if the guy caught the ball, he would have smacked the the offensive player and held him on fourth down or on third down to bring up fourth down. So you need you need the pass breakups, you need the run stops to show up against Acres against Higby. I'm not saying Kenneth Murray is an elite guy by any means, but I'm I'm really starting to kind of key in on him over the last few weeks because he's really taken his game to. A slightly better level and, and that's great for the defense like he he's going to be on the field no matter what we want whether he's great or bad he's going to be on the field so if he can take his play from being a liability to better than that um, but makes plays as well i'll take that that's huge for the defense because that means that the, he has taken a step forward and the defense can take a step forward and if they're going to funnel everything through acres and higby which is so weird to say 
because they didn't want Akers <laughs> at one point, and Higby isn't you know Cooper Cup or Allen Robinson. But right. here we are. So that's what they want to do. It seems like that's what Baker's very comfortable working with. So Kenneth Murray versus those two. Yeah, we used to do uh, X Factors on this show, and obviously mm-hmm. we kind of just ran out of segments, right? But I think Kenneth Murray is is honestly one of the X Factors of the defense going forward because a lot of these teams are going to you know start running the ball in you know these colder months, and obviously into the playoffs, it's you know one of the the key things is being able to run the ball effectively. And you know we know that Drew Tranquil is going to handle his business; he's having an outstanding season. Um, but Kenneth Murray, it, like we need him to be consistent. And I think for me, one of the things that he really struggles with is when you're putting him in these situations where he doesn't have a clear attack lane and he's not able to, to, um, have that lane visible right away. If he's going to have to kind of shift, sift through some traffic and have to shed some blocks, that's really kind of where he, he still struggles a little bit. So if this is a game where, you know, I don't even know who's playing center for the Rams at this point without Brian Allen, but you know, this is a game where the centers and, and Ode Abushi and these guys are able to kind of get up on Kenneth Murray. And it's going to be a, a bit of a longer day for him. So um, just hope he's able to kind of see things and diagnose things quickly and be able to go downhill because that's obviously when he's at his best. So um, I agree. I think that's a, a, an important matchup for sure. All right, Alex, uh, what's your key matchup of the day? Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Staley versus Sean McVay um, in a weird way because of how the Rams season is tanked. Yeah. It's not something that we're talking about at all. Um, but, you know, just because of what the Chargers have to figure out in this game, talking about their offense, I'd like it down in the run. Obviously, it lot on Lombardi and the calls he's going to do. Look, like you locked up a playoff berth. I'd like to see the Chargers just kind of go for it on all four downs in the red zone and see if you can just get something going. Like, of course, secure the win, you know, get it, you know, if you want to jump into that bit seed. But I'd also like to just see the Chargers, you know, kind of use that fourth and staley edge to them and use all the plays, you know, sort of empty the playbook in this case uh, for the game. Obviously, we've talked about off the party. Um, honestly, Brandon Staley obviously kind of dial up this defense. Sean McVay is going to do some very basic things with this offense, but he's still Sean McVay, right? Um, he yeah. still is sort of the offensive, you know, guru that the Rams, you know, do rely on. And, you know, there is a reason that Baker, despite his arm being shot and despite him being on his, you know, 11th team at this point, you know, there is a reason that he is playing well. And that I do think has to go with Sean McVay and how he's simplified the scheme and all these things. Um, and how Sean McVay, even after Cam Bakers wanted to leave, but he didn't want to be a Ram anymore. And now he's turned him into... Uh, running back that's going to have some good value for the Rams next year. Right. So Sean McVay still made an offense run as challenged as the Rams are right now with injuries and everything. I do still think him versus Staley is a, is a really good coaching matchup. And, you know, just before you go into the playoffs and you're going to have to play Sean McDermott and Andy Reed and all these guys, this is the last premier coach um, that the Chargers, you know, have a chance to kind of match yeah. wins against with Brandon Staley. So curious to see what he dials up here. Um, you know, he's unfortunately not going to get to do battle with Nathaniel Hackett. I, I would have liked <laughs> seeing that again, uh, you know, after that. The Broncos have but yeah, this is the kind of yeah. the last in which the Chargers are going to play like a, a real football team led by a real football coach. Uh, so curious to just see how Staley dials things up, how aggressive he is uh, going into this one. Yeah, I think this will be a, a good, a bigger test in terms of like the game management than we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Brandon Staley had the key timeout, key timeout management late in the game against the Titans, which kind of essentially won them the game. So 
Um, I, I think that is an interesting one for sure in terms of Brandon Staley and kind of having a, his own postseason ramp up. So, um, all right, my key matchup here is going to be the Chargers pass rush. I mentioned we talked about it earlier versus the Rams offensive line. So, uh, obviously, the Broncos kind of gave up last week. You know, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the Broncos defense last week had four total pressures against Baker Mayfield last week. Oh, he was not touched a single time. Oh. Uh, so the Rams offense really kind of <laughs> took it to, uh, the Broncos defense. The only, uh, player to allow a pressure last week, last week against the, the Broncos was Matt Skura, their left tackle. Again, a lot, some of that is, is scheme, right? You're doing a lot of screens and things like that. A lot of mm-hmm. quick game. Uh, but still Baker Mayfield was not touched at all. Uh, going back to last week against the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Rams offensive line only allowed five total pressures. Baker Mayfield was sacked twice. So. Uh, they did get uh, to Baker the two times, but still, you're talking about nine total pressures in the last two weeks allowed by the Rams' offensive line. Again, a lot of that scheme, a lot of that in terms of you know the the screen game, quick game, and things like that. But still, you're talking about Baker Mayfield being hit twice in the last two weeks, and this is you know the last thing you want to see happen in this kind of game is Baker Mayfield out there, you know doing his little dances and getting a little cocky and getting confident and, and, and getting in, in, a, in a comfort zone. It's obviously not uh, a pattern for success this week because I think Baker Mayfield obviously, obviously kind of thrives off of that feeling. So uh, you have to find a way to disrupt this passing game, even if they are running a lot of short concepts and screens. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen the Chargers pass rush really come alive the last few weeks. Uh, and obviously Joey Bosa coming back this week. So, um, the Chargers pass rush has to get home on Baker Mayfield. They have to get him off his spot. They have to be mm-hmm. able to uh, continue to produce at a high level. So if this is an anemic pass rushing performance like we had seen previously, then it's going to be a bigger struggle than I think people will will think going into this game. So, um, again, this is kind of a, a moment for the Chargers con- to continue off of some of the, that momentum. And I think the pass rush is really going to be the difference here if they're able to get home on Baker Mayfield or not. Um, then the defense will continue to play well. If they can't get home, then this is going to be a, a kind of a 70-play performance from the Chargers defense. They're going to be out there all day long, and uh, it's just going to be not super efficient this this week. So um, pass rush has to show up like they have been doing again this week. Yep. Baker Mayfield looked great against the Broncos. There was a particular play in the red zone. I think it was their second touchdown or maybe his first passing touchdown of the game where they brought a free blitzer off the edge and he got absolutely cracked, but he located and found the hot read. Perfect touchdown right down the middle. Like he was in his bag, rollouts in the pocket, under pressure. Like he looked, well, under four pressures. Um, he looked pretty good under simulated pressures and designed rushes, I should say. Um, yeah. He looked pretty good. So yeah, they're going to have to find a way to move him off his spot. Will they be able to do that if they're running screens and just running the ball? I don't know. But, you know, winning on early downs and finding a way to disrupt on third down would be huge. I would love to see this Chargers defense continue to play. As both of you guys have talked about, this is a, the last premium coach you're going to face until the postseason. You know, this is a guy who can coordinate kind of around Brandon Staley, potentially. It sounded like back in 2020 that Staley had McVeigh in hell. But now, you know, we'll see. Like, I, I know it's Baker Mayfield. It's not Trevor Lawrence. You know, they're not playing with the same weapons and tools and, you know, everything that maybe like the Jaguars are right now. But I, I feel like, the Jaguars had a great response and answer for everything that the Brandon Staley's defense was trying to do. Whatever they called Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, they had a response for every single thing, almost perfectly. 
And I feel like even with Baker Mayfield, that the Rams and, and Sean McVay could do that. So not the, quite the same caliber of quarterback um, or even weapons or offensive line right now. But I feel like if we can see this, this Chargers defense continue to be the dominant force that they have been, that's really great, a really great sign moving forward. Granted, still not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm I'm really excited about this. Obviously, like I said, I'll I'll be there. Obviously, Joey Bosa coming back potentially uh, adding some some excitement there. Um, we'll uh, we'll save bold predictions for uh, Saturday. So we're going to do our usual Q and A on Saturday, uh, and then our our game recap on Sunday. So um, you know, hopefully, you guys uh, enjoyed this preview. Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for the evening? Yeah, uh, I hope everyone has a fun time at the game. Everyone that's going, I know Arjun and Steven and Tyler are going to meet up. Uh, as we as we talked about on a previous podcast, this is potentially, you know, Arjun's uh, 21st birthday, you said, Tyler? Yeah, 21st. Mm-hmm. 21st. Uh, so the big 2-1. Uh, let's uh, raise EAC per play so he doesn't talk about EPA per play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyler, any final thoughts, man? You know, the Titans are they're down by 10 to the Cowboys, but they're only down by 10 to the Cowboys, which is honestly <laughs> better than I thought they would be doing. So they're 10-0. They picked off Dak Prescott. Apparently, there's a player wow. named Jay Chestnut on the Titans, and I obviously first thought of one Joey Chestnut, but I guess that's not him. It's Julius <laughs> Chestnut, I found. Um, and he learned something new every day on this podcast. So yeah, the Titans are you know in scoring position. They could be uh, around 10-7. At halftime, so it's my long-winded way of saying that maybe they could win next week against the Jaguars and give us um, a very nice first wild card game. There you go, there you go. Poor Al Michaels, man. He's he used to get all the premier <laughs> games, and this year he's gotten nothing but shit on Thursday night football. That's okay. He's probably relaxing on a golden couch when he goes home. <laughs> True. Very very rich man uh, working for Amazon this year. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned, that's going to do it for us tonight. Appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. The chat was fun tonight, as always. Um, If you are listening to this, please leave a rating or review. We always appreciate that feedback on uh, the audio platforms as well. So uh, we'll be going live Saturday morning for our pregame wrap-up show. Uh, Take some questions as well as we always do. We'll do our weekly picks and and final score predictions as well. So um, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. We'll see you soon. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.